welcome back to CNUSD Ed Chat. Thank you for joining us today. You know, Kate, we've had so many amazing opportunities to meet and chat with inspiring educators. You know, this episode is no exception. For this episode, Anne-Marie sat down to chat with Amanda Sandoval, a U.S. history teacher from our very own Roosevelt High School in Eastvale, California. Amanda has taken a really unique approach in her classroom to make history come alive and has created a truly blended environment where students can explore history and also embrace creativity. Let's listen in. Hello, everyone. I'm sitting here with Amanda Sandoval in her lovely 21st century flexible seating classroom at Eleanor Roosevelt High School in Corona. So we're so excited to have you. This is a former past RCOE Teacher of the Year, California State Finalist Teacher of the Year. Am I saying that right? What uh, is it? Semi-finalist. Semi-finalist. Well, we can say finalist because oh, that sounds no, better. <laughs> no, that's good. Okay. Would you just go ahead and start by describing the current role at your site? I teach um, U.S. history, but it's one section this year, so it's a unique position I have. And then the other periods of the day are supporting other teachers with technology integration. So nice. I get to still have my babes and then I uh, get to support teachers at my site as well. I would like to talk to you about your goals for the school year as a history teacher, and I uncovered these goals on your website. You share six goals for your students. Each of the categories are learn, connect, enjoy, technology, adventure, and civics. You want the students to make connections to the real world and enjoy coming to class. That's a goal. Yes. How do you work towards these goals and what steps do you take to make this happen? I know personally when I was in history class in high school, I don't remember anything from history class. And I didn't actually fall in love with history until college. And I think it's such a fascinating a subject. And it's there's so much fun and like learning that can be had. And so I want to make sure that my students walk away from my class being excited every day to come and learn and then leaving with those skills. So um, some of the things that I do to kind of make learning fun is I try to immerse my students in the history. Like they are in the history and the history kind of revolves around them. I do okay. um, what I call these Forrest Gump moments. So if you've ever seen the movie Forrest Gump, you see that like Forrest is like thrown into this history, like the history like revolves around him. He like does all, like everything is like right. about Forrest, right? I create these like simulations almost where it's content heavy, where okay. there's all of these, you know, learning objectives in terms of content that need to be met. The whole story, which history is a story, revolves around my students. So they are um, a patriot in the American Revolution and they like like are involved in all these activities and there's like these choice options throughout the story where every student's story is different and they'll like pop up and then be like okay pick a number one through four to see what happened to you in this part of the story and then they'll pick a number and then um, they'll reveal like what happened to them so they're learning the content but also seeing how they if they had lived at that time were personally like impacted so we do one for like um the American Revolution, we do one for the Great Depression, we do one for um, the 1920s and a speakeasy, we do one for uh, 1968, which is a crazy year, by the way. Oh my God, we're going, that's coming up. Okay. Um, <laughs> so we do a bunch of them, like okay. throughout the year. And so um, the students actually really love those. Every time we do I'm one of sure. those, they're like, I love these. And so we do, I try to do one of those at least once a unit. Okay. In addition to that, it's just about variety and like not doing the same thing every day with the kids, really making uh, the students kind of have uh, their own, uh, you know, 
path for learning sometimes. I have a very blended learning environment with like technology integration okay. where the students can go at their own pace. There's a lot of scaffolding. There's a lot of like real world connections that I think are really important. And I think especially right now you can connect it to like anything. Right. There's so many connections to be had and being like civically involved, yes. I think is very important. So what exactly do you mean by being a historian or thinking like a historian? I'm sure you've heard those phrases yeah. before. I mean, there's so many pieces to that. I guess some of the, the first ones that come to mind when you're thinking like a historian is you need to be able to understand history in its context. Mm-hmm. And then also if you're looking at like modern day, it doesn't even have to be modern, but like anytime you're com- you want to com- compare sources and cooperate sources mm-hmm. in order to understand the full mean- meaning of history. Because if you just read one, you know, newspaper article about the ruling of Brown versus Board of Education, you're going to get a very different perspective if you're reading it from Mississippi or if you're reading it from like Washington, D.C. So it's important to like have students be able to navigate the world of literacy and like informational texts. Um, So that's an important goal. Mm -hmm. Um, So analyzing primary sources, pulling evidence from those sources, being able to research and like no bias, especially today. Like just because somebody says it's fake news doesn't necessarily always mean it's fake news, but it might be fake news. You know what I mean? Like all of these things the students need to know and those would be skills that they would need to acquire. So I think those are very relevant always, but especially now because those that kind of terminology is being used. We also hear um, sort of it's not really so much about the content anymore. It's about these real world transferable mm-hmm. skills that you're talking about. Um, but I do have a question nope. like, <laughs> okay, as a history teacher, like what's your perspective of that? Uh-huh. Because sometimes you hear, and I do agree with this statement, meaning like content is a means to an end, this mm-hmm. transferable end. But mm-hmm. as a history teacher, um, how important to you is the content. Oh, the content's very important. I actually um, have a uh, have a problem when people say that. Okay. I, so um, I definitely think that the skills are very important and they need to be embedded within your content. But I think that the content cannot be overlooked, especially for history, because you have to understand the past to understand connections today, to not relive some of those moments, right. to be aware of how like fascism rises and like be able to look at other fascist countries in the world and we have to be aware of these type of things to understand like social inequalities Mm -hmm. or like gender inequalities you have to understand where it all stems from and all of that stuff is so part of American history and you have to also look at like all of the positives and like how much growth we've had and how you know, um, laws have been passed and like how they build upon each other, how civil rights is built upon each other. Like, so you have to know those things. You can't just be like, well, let me give you some skills of how to, you know, right. you, those things are so, so important and the skills like weave into it. But I would never say that, um, one the, is more important correct, than the other. Correct. I think that they both are, are definitely needed. California just adopted a new California history, social science right, yes. framework. It has four, um, I guess, goals. They are content, which is number one listed in the framework. Then it goes into inquiry, and then it goes into civics, and then it goes into, did I say literacy? No. That's at the end. That is the order that it's in the framework, and I kind of like the order that it's in Mm -hmm. the framework. You are known for your innovative use of technology in the classroom. So can you explain some of the different ways that you infuse tech into your classroom? And then also, what are some of the Mm must-have or must-use tech Mm -hmm. tools? So we use technology every day in the classroom. Just depends on the activity. The learning objective always comes first. And I want to make sure that that's clear. It's not just about using tech for the sake of like, oh, this is the newest tech tool and right. like this is really fun. Pedagogy is 
you know, needs to definitely be there. My favorite tech tools to use are going to be just G Suite, like all the Google, like, oh, just love it. Fanning over all Google products. I love Google Docs for like Hyperdocs, for uh, collaborative notes, for collaborative assignments. Like Google's so nice at sharing and working together. Right. It's like, it's, oh, I love it so much. So when you say a hyperdoc, is yes. that just a document then that has hyperlinks to other places, but it's all in, starts on that one doc? Um, or what do you mean by that? That could be a simple definition. I'm not it. asking for me. <laughs> I'm asking for all for our these friends. other people. You're asking yeah. for a friend. Uh, and I tell the teachers too, because it's kind of an overwhelming thing when you jump into the world of hyperdocs alone, hashtag yes. hyperdocs, look it up. It comes overwhelming because it, hyperdocs are basically a self-contained lesson where the students can move at their own pace. So think of how you build a lesson normally in class where you have like the introductory hook, where you have like them learning the content, where you're having them like, um, you know, uh, skill build, where you're having them like assess if they learned it. And there's like some um, application piece or creativity piece at the end. So it kind of packages it, all of it. And yes, it does link to other things. Okay. You might have some little game or some like photograph or some primary source or some political cartoon to kind of hook the student, have some like um, questions. You can lead it too. It doesn't okay. have to be like completely student on okay. their own. A lot of times what I like to do is like lead it w- together as a class and then like release them to move at their own pace. Okay. But what I really like too is like the in culmination, like creativity piece. So um, one of the things too is that when you have when you and technology allows for so much creativity mm-hmm. and personalization that it's not like they're just copying a worksheet. So it's like you cannot copy that assignment because it would be very hard to replicate that entire infographic that your neighbor just made to show their learning. Okay. That's what's nice about like HyperDocs is that it allows for that like really individualized, personalized learning for students. If you're moving beyond the world of Google, um, a really good intro tech tool like if you're just starting out you're not a big tech person you want something super user friendly you just want to try something for the first time I would say padlet.com okay. um, it de- did start charging recently mm-hmm. but you it's okay um, you get four free um, okay. and you can recycle them think of it like a digital post-it board and it it's grown so much over the years where you, students can comment off of each other it, that you can um, link things up there you can add uh, things on there. So there's just a lot of different ways you can you can utilize it in your classroom. Um, so students can share work with each other. You can share work with parents. You can have them, you know, post pictures of segregation as like an introductory activity. Like okay. there's just so much you can do with it. And that's a good thing, pretty easy thing to kind of get your feet wet with. Okay. So you already mentioned like a good starting place for people that mm-hmm. might be uncomfortable using technology. Can but I add one more thing yeah, about that? Of course. Don't be scared. Like, you just click around, and if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Like, people are, I think it's such a learning curve with technology. It's overwhelming, and it's really intimidating. And then you see people like me that are, like, obnoxious and, like, doing too much. Then you feel like, Don't go to her (laughs) website if you want to feel. I feel like I I know that it's okay to be at a place of, like, vulnerability where you don't know how to do everything. But, like, just jump in and try it, and then things get easier. And then as you learn, like, one tool, jump to another. Right. 
Right. Don't think that you have to do it all. Right. Try to just incorporate like one new thing every once in a while once you get comfortable with the last one. Okay. So I think what some of the problem is is that they see all these people mm-hmm. online doing all of these really cool things and then they become overwhelmed. They try too many tools right. at once. And the students are very intuitive too. Mm-hmm. And I don't train my kids on how to use all of the tools. Like every time we do something new, I'm like, oh, you're going to make an infographic, figure it out. You know, you want to try and like test it out yourself, but you give the students really specific instructions of what you want them to produce and like what needs to be included for your learning objectives. But then I don't sit there and be like, and then you drag it here and then you click here. You just tell them and they figure it out. It's part of problem solving, another skill that they need to acquire. And then I just walk around and troubleshoot. So don't feel like you have to be the expert either on every single thing. The kids know and we'll help each other. Yeah. Well, that's good advice. Yeah. One, I'm moving to one of your other goals, which was very intriguing, was this adventure goal Uh um, on your site. So how do you encourage your students to get out and learn beyond the classroom walls, which is one of the goals that you have set out? Yes. I highly encourage my students to continue learning outside of my classroom. And um, I would love it if they went places. Uh Like, I just think it makes you a better person and person part of your community and just like it, it makes really brings history to life. So how I try to do this is a few different ways. Um, but one of them that I do consistently is I have what's called a, a vocab menu. So every unit, my students are given a list of vocabulary terms that connect to our unit, of course. And they have like a, they have different ways that they, they get to choose like a menu, how they want to complete that assignment. But the dessert option on the menu is they can get out of the vocab if they go somewhere. So I have a list. Yes. So I have a list of locations that connect uh, to our unit of study. If they go to one of those places, they take photos and like, you know, write captions and they create a little video just real fast on their phone with the app. They can use whatever they want. But one of the easiest ones to use is um, uh, Flipgram. Okay. So really easy app. They go to the places and they make the video and then they have like connecting captions back to the unit. So to me, that is more meaningful than any vocabulary assignment that right. I could ever give them. It, the places range depending on the unit, obviously, but they've gone to the Natural History Museum. They have an exhibit just on like building LA for like Industrial Revolution unit. They've gone to like the Titanic exhibit. Um, they've gone to some. A lot of our students actually have gone to Hearst Castle with their families. Cool. And um, it's more two. I try to encourage the families to go together. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I absolutely loved is when I first started doing this. It was a few years ago, and one of my students, him and his father, like he had lived with his mother most of his life and he had just moved into with his, with his father. And so they were trying to connect. And so they would go to these like field trips, every single unit. And they did all 10 of them. Oh he didn't do gosh. one vocabulary assignment. Oh my, okay. And at the end of the year, the father was like, thank you. Because I don't think I could have connected with my son if it, I was like, Oh my God. Um, and it was, and he yeah. would take his grandma. And so I try to tell the kids to like, you know, you got that auntie that doesn't, you know, you know, loves you, but doesn't have anybody. And you know, yeah. and they're all like, yeah, I got that auntie. Yeah. So I'm like, ask her <laughs> yeah, to take and you. And she would totally take oh, yeah. you if your parents, cause some parents are busy. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's worked out really well. I want to feel it figure out even more ways to encourage that too. Yeah. Um, it's a great idea. I, I love it for that one student with his dad. I, w- I didn't have anything like for our great depression unit. I was like, Oh, we're just going to skip this one. And they're like, no, I have to. So I made one for like the mob museum in like, um, Las Vegas, or you could go to Hoover Dam and they went to both. Oh my gosh. Like they're, they're willing families. I think especially at the high school level, 
don't get asked to do things. Right. And so when their history, when the teacher in high school is like, right. oh, connect with your child, they're like, okay, yeah. right? Yes. And so they're so excited, a lot of them, right. because there's not that many opportunities. Well, to do and that. I can imagine as a parent what it must feel like for your high school student to say, hey, mom, dad, would you yeah. take me here? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a gift, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, in addition to the vocab menu um, dessert options, I also try to plan a, a few field trips a year, usually like two or three. Okay. And so um, as a class, you mean like class. we're going to go together? Okay. So we have a club on campus called the U.S. History Club. You know, it's optional. They'll mm-hmm. be like, um, but that'll count towards their vocab. Okay. You know, so they can get out of their vocab if they go on the field trip. Um, but there'll be an alternate assignment if they can't go. But we get most of the, a lot of the students that do go. One of the ones that we do that I absolutely love is the Riverside, is we do a trip to downtown Riverside and we learn about local history. I don't know if you are aware, but Riverside Mission Inn has so much history. It's like, uh, it's I like that's another one. Yeah, it's sorry. so I'm cool. <laughs> I'm so it's really uh, Frank Miller, the owner, was a pacifist, and this is you know we're talking about World War One, and so he didn't want us to go to war. But March then, when he was like, okay, we're going to war, then he like petitions to get March Air Force Base built over here because they start building like Air Force bases. It's just a lot. Andrew Carnegie's like got the music like library over there. So there's lots. We go down there. We do the a tour. We do a photo scavenger hunt around the Mission Inn, and then we also watch a silent movie at Fox Theater. Oh, how cool! And they give us a tour of Fox Theater. It was built in 1929. Also do the Riverside Art Museum. So that one, that's a, it's so nice because it's so local. A lot of our kids have never been there, even though it's part of the county that they're from. And so I think they have an appreciation for like Riverside County a little bit more. I also partner with um, the Riverside Fox Theater. They have a program called Students on Broadway and they do free. So this is a little tip. Look it up. They do free um, Broadway plays. They send you tickets. Oh yes. my gosh. Yeah, so we've done we've done it for three years now. Okay. So we've done um, the first year we did Bullets on Broadway, which was perfect. It always ties into my unit. I don't know. What? It's like perfect every <laughs> it's time. Been on purpose. Last year we did the unelectable you. It was like a spoof on like the um, election. This year was Jersey Boys. And so, uh, it's How so cool. good. And they're real, like, it's the whole production. It's the Broadway version of everything. Okay. So and what really is the go- name of it again? It's called Students on Broadway. Okay. And Riverside Fox has, like, all the information on their website. And okay. they're so good. We're coming to the end of our okay. interview. And with so many changes occurring in 21st century education and learning, what advice can you give teachers or families to try tomorrow, to try this week, and to try this month? I think you should just try technology, like try something new, go on Twitter. I think that should be your thing. So go on Twitter, follow some people that are of interest to you, whether if you're, you know, it's news, whether it's other educators. I learned so much from other educators online and connect with them. I have like best friends from like a, all over the place that I've never even met. I'm just learning all the time from Twitter. It's such a, a useful tool. It, they'll help you through things when you're like, oh, right. I don't know how to use this. Does anybody have something on this? Or um, it just keeps you current. And then maybe this week, try something new like Padlet. If you've never used it before, try it with your kids, see how it works. It'll go fine, I promise. (laughs) And this month, go to a museum or a place of historical significance. There's so many in Southern California. Some of my favorites are the Natural History Museum in Los Angeles, um, the Museum of Tolerance, of course, LACMA. I love LACMA. Go down to the Mission Inn. There's always events downtown Riverside. It's very local. So try something new that you haven't been to before, and it'll be amazing. Thank you, Amanda, very much. We very appreciate your time. Thank you so much. 
I just have to say, I love her assimilation assignments and her encouragement to get out and see history around us through these adventures she mentioned. It's just brilliant. And her classroom is gorgeous. Brightly colored wallpaper, cozy flexible seating. To tour Amanda's classroom and hear some tips and tricks for flexible seating at the high school level, visit our Facebook page to see a live video tour. Want to hear your student or child on a future episode? We are looking for kids to record our next kids outro. Read from our script available at www.cnusd.k12.ca.us forward slash edchat. We even have a script for younger children. Just submit the audio file to our Google Drive folder. See you next time. If you would like to comment on their podcast, go to cnusd.k12.ca.us slash edchat. And be sure to follow them on Twitter and Facebook at cnusdedchat to let them know which topics you are interested in. This episode of CNUSD Ed Chat was written and produced by Kate Jackson, Ivy Yule Eldridge, Anne Marie Cortez, and me, Kim Kemmer, and edited by Ken Pucci.